And welcome everybody to another edition of the Heat Ratio Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Cantillo, joined by John Coker and Mr. Back from sabbatical once again. He always goes on his sabbaticals, Coach Dave Dixon. And we are here fresh off a defining, crushing, heartbreaking loss of the 76ers in Game 7 against the Toronto Raptors. Uh, in 2001, Vince Carter missed a shot as the time ran out. And in 2019, Kawhi made a shot as time ran out. Uh, and there'll be tons of images that'll be forever symbolic of this historic loss, whether it be JoJo crying in the hallway or, you know, whether it be JoJo and Marcus Gasol consoling each other, whether it be, you know, Brett Brown shaking hands after the game thinking he's going to be fired. Uh, there's so many different things out of this game that we could take away from. But now we're here to basically break it down. Uh, we, As we record this show, we know that Brett Brown will be back for another season, uh, whether it be one year, two years. He has three years remaining on his deal, but he will be definitely back for this year. Uh, there's going to be a lot of things that we have to look at and discuss and decipher and see what Elton Brand can do. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's all going to be about Joel Embiid. Uh, you know, and it's going to be about Ben Simmons. Whether, you know, we're going to talk on the show, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, free agents, bench players, everything. But ultimately, this is going to fall on Joel Embiid in order to stay healthy throughout the course of a season, to get his body right, to get his mind right, for Ben to trust himself and his talents and to build an offensive game, which we know he has if he would just take over more consistently. Uh, so there's a lot of things on the agenda here. But let's backtrack a little bit. Let's just recover and re, re – well, we were kind of recovering right now, but review Game 7. Game 7, Toronto Raptors, you both watched it. What what do you come away with from Game 7? Dave, I'll go to you first. Joel, um, it looks like he just expected to win to me. He, he didn't show up to play the right way, although – you know, he had 21 points, whatever, but he did not come into that game to me with a burning desire to, to put himself out there to help the Sixers win the game. There was points where on defense that they had three rebounds, and I watched him. He didn't even go up and contest a shot. Um, he was getting out. He was out. He was getting out muscled by Serge Ibaka mm-hmm. and Kyle Lowry. Yeah, how about it? How about it? I mean, Joel, I love what. To quote Charles Barkley, or not quote him, but his his idea of Joel is you got to take the game serious. And, you know, a friend of mine, a shout-out to Tim Lennon, spoke about Joel where he compared Joel's 26 yes. to Shaquille O'Neal at 26 and did a side-by-side picture. And Shaquille O'Neal, believe it or not, was lighter, more lean than Joel right now and that goes to me it's talking about keeping you your body right eating healthy and yes. taking this serious and that goes into play about keeping taking game seven serious and it didn't seem like to me he did and what also showed to me him crying like that is that you know I'm okay with being emotional I, I really am but that showed me you're immature still kid you are very immature and you need to grow up. You you think like you're just going to show up on the court and you're just going to play? I don't know if he works hard enough at this game yet. I don't know if he works hard enough to keep himself in shape and keep himself healthy. And that's the question mark. Everybody's questioning Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons worked his rear end off in that game. I agree. And, okay, we know he didn't shoot. He doesn't have a jump shot. We get all that. His defense, what he did, and he missed one foul shot. That's, right. a, that, that's something that people aren't talking about. He missed. He he was in game three seven, for he, four. I think he no. He was four for four. He was five for six. He was at five the for line. six total. So whatever, man. You say it right. It, this is Joel's team, but Joel's got to you know not think he can show up and just play the game. He's got to respect his body, number one, which in turn shows that you respect your teammates because you're working your butt off to get better and to get healthy. I agree with that. I do. How about you, John? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Uh, I think Dave's right on Embiid. I mean, that's that's pretty clear. Um, I disagree with him on Simmons. Look, Simmons, I'm not saying he didn't play great, and I'm not saying that he might not be a great player, but 
there's a big difference when you're playing in the regular season and seeing different teams from game to game versus playing in a seven-game playoff series and knowing how to shut a player down once you see you know certain things in right. a game. And Ben Simmons, play as hard as you want. You're way too predictable. And it's not just him. It's the spacing on the court. I don't know with him on the court how much you can I, – I don't know if he if he can take you to the promised land, truthfully. He can't by himself. And I, But I think he also needs to alter his game a little bit. I'm not saying he's not great the way he no, is. I agree. But when you have good teams that know exactly what you're going to do, it just makes it easier to shut down. He's oh. very easy to defend. So let's look at something. Right. I mean, is that weird? I'm, I, it's Sorry, not Dave. That, it's not that he's easy to defend, but he's going to drive. You don't have to respect a jump shot. You don't, he did not have one shot outside of the paint the entire series. I, entire I, trust me, series. I, I hear you. So when you're doing that, and it's it's just it's too predictable. You don't have to play that. And then you've got to deal with all the other spacing. And Bede should not be taking six three-pointers. No. Definitely not. And and the other thing is Jimmy Butler needs to shoot more than fourteen shots. And and, and he was the guy that took over this series. He's the only reason why they were in this series to a game seven. I completely agree with that. And when you got Kawhi shooting thirty nine shots and then you got Butler shooting fourteen, I mean there's a Ben shot five. Yeah. Ben shot five times. Yeah. But let's let's not also they uh, mm-hmm. but let's not also I want to bring this up you guys collaborate on this too nine turnovers between Ben and Joel nine uh, Ben still to me is too careless with the basketball well, I think uh, Joel's sloppy it, too he is yeah. because again you know he needs he had three plays now I, I heard the stat this goes out to I'm going to give credit to where credits due John Johnson WIP. I uh, listen to him a lot. I think he's a he's got great insight when it comes to the Sixers. Uh, he's down there. He he's on the court. He's in the locker room. Four, three plays, out of 140 offensive sets, Joel was on the block. Three out of 140. That's unacceptable. I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And I and I know uh, I'm gonna give a shout. Out. You give a shout out. Listen, I I you know I agree with Brett Brown coming back, and we're gonna get that in a little bit. But the reason why I bring that up is because one of our fellow listeners out there. Matt Adamson has told me that it's on the coach that he's not on the block. But how do you answer the question of when the coach is basically putting a finger in your chest saying, hey, Dave, you need to be down the block and you still don't do it? How was that the coach's fault? Unfortunately, we live in a society in a league where, let's face it, the players rule the team, mm-hmm. right? They do. They, they overrule the coach. It's just, it's just the dynamic because they're getting paid quadruple of what the coach is. Okay, so I'm not saying they don't listen to the coach all the time. What I'm saying is you can't put this all on Brett Brown. Well, you know how I feel about Brett Brown. I mean, I'm not I, honestly. If you told me he was fired tomorrow, I, I wouldn't care. My whole question to that was, who are you bringing in here? That's the perfect question. Who's so, coming in? So you, I'm not all in favor of just getting rid of somebody and bringing who? A college coach in here? Tony Bennett. Yeah, I, Jay Wright. I mean, there's a danger here. I mean, come on. Unless it's Mark Jackson to me, that's the and, – and he's been out of the game for a while. He's been out of the game, but let's realize why he got kicked out of Golden State. Yeah. The players did not want to play for him. Yeah. They did not like his style. Yeah. So, so you're – right? I mean, he couldn't I, win with those guys. I'm not disagreeing, but that's the only candidate that, that you could win. I'm just saying, win me over with. If you said that he was coming here. Tyrone Lou. No way. <laughs> no way. I don't kidding. want any parts of Tyrone The step over guy comes yeah. back. So, uh, you know, I, I've i defended Brett Brown. You did? And, and Against myself? But here's the deal. Like. People are pissed off that they didn't execute on those uh, shot violations, on the clock violations. Jimmy Butler's got to take a little heat for that, man. You have to execute. You're a veteran. You came. Your coat. You brought. You called a timeout, and uh, you came out of it in one set, and you got a shot violation. That's not on the coach. You started the game 0 for nine. How's that, Brett Brown's fault? It's not Brett Brown, and and Toronto started off slow as well. Let's not forget. And they did, and we were still in the ball game. Your defense is substitute. You kept. Toronto Raptors to 92 points in Game 7. Yes. Game 7 so, at at 
their home right. court. You held them to 92 points. Yes. You're doing something right. You're coaching something right. Yes. Now, th- th- my opinion is when the coach gives you a play and you don't execute it, is that the coach's fault? So, if Doug Peterson calls dive play and we get stuffed behind the line of scrimmage, is that Doug Peterson's fault because no. we called dive? No. Uh, you know, it's – so, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm – the players have to take – some responsibility, yes. and, and I'm, I am, I am. That game, I said out loud the whole game. Joel Embiid is the problem. Now, and in that game, it was because he was on the court and he didn't do his job. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. Now he, he, he remember he played the most minutes he's ever played. I'm not making excuses. All I'm, not, I'm yeah. agreeing with what you're saying because yeah. he wasn't in shape. Yeah. He wasn't fit to be able to play that style of basketball. Right. And 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 if you look at the before the last play, the last possession, okay, when when the Sixers were on defense and you watch Serge Ibaka and you watch Kyle Lowry basically boxing Joel Embiid out yeah. for an offensive rebound mm-hmm. and he really didn't even move. It just showed you right there. Listen, this dude is just gassed. Yeah. He's spent. He's done. Right. Right. And 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 this is twofold though. The team also has to realize that games in April and game or, or I should say April, games in October and November and December where he's playing forty plus minutes shouldn't matter. Yeah. Okay. They have to look at the other side the way they, they, they take care of Kawhi Leonard. That's why Kawhi Leonard was able to play as much as he did. Yeah. They're gonna have to do that for Joel, but Joel's gonna have to get in shape as well and eat right. He has to take responsibility for himself. And and we'll find out next year when he comes into camp, if he, he needs to be thirty five pounds lighter. Wow. Thirty five? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he needs to be. I'm saying because he he's heavier than 280 pounds. I'm gonna tell you right now. Whatever he's listed at, he's 20 pounds heavier than what he's listed at. 300, yeah. 35 pounds is a lot, dude. Well, if he's That's 300 pounds, he, I'm saying he's 300 pounds right now. Wow, he's seven foot two, right? And he's a thick son of a gun. He is. He needs to lose minimum minimum. Well, I'll say 30 pounds minimum. Okay. Because you're gonna put it on during the season. Now you are. Now you lose weight, you gain strength. So, you know, that is, that is true. You build muscle, to, right? He has to do that. You lose fat, body fat. You get yeah. your body fat down. You build muscle. So, here, here's the question now. You know, and, and are you? Well, I, I, I think we're in agreement that Brett Brown deserved to come back. Uh, absolutely. Okay. And I, I, John, do you agree that Brett Brown deserved yeah. to come back? Okay. Yep. So when do we, as a fan base, and I know, listen, I get it. I know I flipped the script here a little bit, but let me just explain myself, okay? I have not been a Brett Brown supporter all year. I haven't because I watch things and I try to dissect things the way I can, and I looked at things and said there were so many different things I think he should have done. But everything I talked about him negatively during out the course of the preseason or during the course of the regular season is exactly what he did in the postseason was the stuff I was bitching about. He made the adjustments. He made the rotations. We sat on this show and we specifically said Boban should not play in this series. Why? He's not athletic enough. He went to a seven man rotation. Okay, James Innes gave him a ton of good minutes off the bench. Okay, uh, you know it's not his fault. He had Greg Monroe as the only guy he could put in to spell Joel Embiid. And so, he played okay, right? He well, he played okay in one game. Yeah. The rest he, he was lost. Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm saying. When do we finally tip our hat mm-hmm. and just say we did everything we could? Okay, nobody plays perfect basketball, right? right. And, you know, I, I, I said this on com, and it was one of my uh, Jigsaw's judgments of this week, and basically to say, when do you tip your hat to Kawhi? When do you just say, listen, we did everything we could do, and we just went up against the best player in the NBA, okay? What, go talk to Patrick Ewing. Go talk to Sean Kemp. Go talk to Carl Malone, Jeff Van Gundy, Jerry Sloan, okay? Paul Westfall, Charles Barkley, Kevin Johnson, Dan Moore. Go talk to all these guys and say, how did it feel? Xavier McDaniel, Anthony Mason, John Starks. Told these guys how to feel every year to be the centerpiece of the regular season and go up against a brick wall whose name was Michael Jordan and never be able to win a prize. Never. And the only reason why the Houston Rockets and Rudy Tomjanovich was able to win back-to-back titles is because Michael went to play basketball or baseball. Yeah. That's it. If not, Michael would have won those two years too. Mm-hmm. So 
they had to say, we're giving it everything we got, and it's not enough. Right. Okay, those Indiana Pacers teams with Reggie Miller, they were great teams. They were well-coached. Right, well-coached. Well yeah. The Portland Trailblazers in 92. We can name that line right. Terry Porter, Duckworth, Buck Williams, Clyde Drexler. I mean, these cats, this was a really good team, man. Yeah. And oh, it was a coach, Mike, Mike Dunleavy, right? Yeah. So my. Dude, Michael Jordan just destroyed them. What about the Lakers in 91? I mean, they went up against the guy. And I'm not saying Kawhi Leonard is Michael Jordan. But what I'm saying is it has that mystique about him because he is so dominating. Yeah. I've never seen a player take over. Like you said, best two-way player in basketball. Yes. And, that, and the guy shot 39 times. Yeah. And we're both in agreement that Ben Simmons did everything in his power to defend this cat. Yeah, he blocked a couple shots. Yes. He, he, yeah. But he got his – listen, when the game was on the line, at the end of the day, right, at the end of the day, that game was on the line. You knew Kawhi was getting the, getting the ball. You knew he was going to get a good shot up, and he did. We don't have that player. We don't have Kawhi Leonard. No. And they won because they have Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I agree. Simple as that. Here, the two teams in the East that are left. Giannis and against Kawhi. Giannis, six years in the league. Kawhi, nine years in the league. Yes. Both those teams are filled with veterans. You know I've said it here before. Yes. They're the teams that typically win the NBA titles or the teams with, the with number one, the best players, and number two, the most veterans. Yes. And that's what's left right now. Yes. Ex- except in the, in, in, in the Trailblazers case right now. They're young. Well, they're they're a very young. exciting team. Very exciting, and, and not the not the you know loose focus here. But if anybody watched Game Seven, the Denver and Portland. If anybody watched Portland at all mm. play and watched Denver at all, I'll tell you what. The funny thing is, in that Game Seven, you, you match Jokic is ridiculous. Yeah, what probably a, the best center in the league in my opinion. I, I, he, unbelievable. He's uh, you can't defend him. Yeah, he's everywhere. Okay, so smooth. Too, so right? smooth. So smooth. Uh, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, are, are they the best? Is that the best backcourt in basketball? Has to be. Has to be, right? Yeah. I mean, these guys are unbelievable. Jamal Murray, the way he's grown into a player. Here's a guy who was drafted in the first round, right? Mm-hmm. Took you know took some time to develop. Mm-hmm. But, dude, this guy, he's unbelievable right now. And, and, and you watch. I mean, Portland was down 17 points. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Lillard had a horrible game. Yeah, 13. Third, yeah, yeah, McCollum had 37. Yeah, he was. Who would have who, who predicted that? No one. No one. No. So, it just goes to show you, like you said, I mean, they made a couple moves in Portland. Mm-hmm. Enos Kanner, who is uh, a guy. Listen, he's. I, I, I wanted the Sixers to get Hell yeah. I wanted the Sixers. He, he is a, a beast. He was a Nick, and we got to see yes. him, and he's a tough guy. Tough. Just, he, yeah. yeah. He brings that Mike Scott. Yeah. That Mike Scott grittiness, right? Yeah. That Mike Scott toughness that you yeah. that you so need, like that and Rick Mahorn mystique, We could have gotten him for nothing. Of course we could have. Nothing. He was a pickup. But I think the problem with him, though, is he didn't want to be relegated to bench minutes. He wanted to go somewhere where even if he wasn't the starter, he was going to get big, big-time minutes. Yeah. Right? And, and, and that's the important. Obviously, yeah. I don't want to bring up the injury yeah. uh, that happened, the, the gruesome injury that, that, that we all know about, But um, to, to Yurkic. But mm. it, the, the whole thing in this, and, and, and we listen, they lost. It was, you know, the shot – we will forever see the, the four bounces. Ooh. Okay. It's going to live in infamy. We're going to see it all the time. We're going to get, it's going to be talked about all over. Uh, next year, when the NBA opens, guess what they're going to show? Yeah. They're going to show that shot. And I'll tell you what, rightfully so. Right, and it's no problem with that. But my thing is moving forward, let's yeah. move forward and let's think about what this team may look like next year. And obviously, you gave up a lot to get two guys in Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. And I still think Tobias Harris came up so small in the playoffs. If I seen him miss another open look again, I was going to scream. Uh, I really was. Jimmy gave you everything you could ask for. He's got nothing left. Okay. He gave the only thing with Jimmy that scares me could be his age and the wear and tear and what that max contract is going to look like going forward. But let me ask you this. Number one, I don't know how Elton's going to shape this. Okay, because he has to not only build a build a starting five. Okay, because you have JJ Redick, who I still think should be a bench player now. Okay, you have to buy, so you have to figure out. You have Jimmy, so three guys in your starting lineup are now most likely are, are going to be in a, a negotiable state here. We don't know what's going to happen with them. So this could be a whole different team. 
especially when they have to build the bench as well. So here's a fun question. So if I said to you, you can sign Jimmy and Tobias, or you can sign neither and sign Kawhi. Right? Is it a no-brainer? Thank you. Not saying it's going to happen. I mean, this is fun. This very, is a great thing about sports e- radio. You thank know what I mean? Thank you for that. that was like, that's like a layup. Uh, I'm taking Kawhi Leonard. Easy. John, is there any? Yeah, uh, right. I agree. So, obviously, that's probably not going to happen. So, what do you do with this team? Are, are you signing both Jimmy and Tobias? Are you trying to sign both Jimmy and Tobias? No. no and there's only one reason why. I, I'm, say, I'm saying no right away because – you got to go cast for the biggest fish in the sea. And to me, you just played against them. You did. I, I, you know, people are like KD, and and you know I love Kemba Walker. I love Kemba Walker. Right. So you got to you got to go in. If I'm, um, what's his name again? Elton Brand. Thank you, Elton. Smooth. Elton Brand. You have a list of my biggest fish that I'm going to go hard after, and you go right from there. Top five. One, two, three, four, five. And if Jimmy and T- Tobias are in four and five, then so be it. But you have to go and reach for the biggest fish in the sea. Last year, we met with LeBron James. We flew out to L.A. and we met with him. Yeah, we did. You need to do almost as much, if not more, to go and get Kawhi Leonard. That should be your biggest fish. And that should be the ultimate goal, to acquire him. The problem is we can't pay him enough. He, you know, because with with the max contract rules well, here, here, and such, you know what I mean. He would actually, I'm pretty sure, he would have to take less money from us than he would get from Toronto. I could be wrong here, but I now, still think he wants to go to LA. Philly only has like 41 million dollars in guaranteed salaries committed, right? So that leaves on the table something that, and I don't know, this is something I read, is 61 million dollars available, right, for this coming year, right? Why can't we sign Kawhi Leonard? Well, no, I'm not saying we can't sign him. What I'm saying, though, is we can't offer him the amount of money that Toronto can offer him. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. you know, like, just like Jimmy, we, we're in a position to offer Jimmy the most money. A max contract with us, I think, is a $15 million difference between a max contract with somebody else because we own his rights. He's on our team. Uh, okay. So, it would, you know, it would behoove Jimmy – to sign, that's why everybody said about uh, Ben. Yeah. Well, we the only reason why Ben Simmons would leave Philly is if we don't offer him a contract or he wants to go somewhere else because we're going to be able to offer him the most money because we own his rights. Okay. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. Yes, I would love to have Kawhi, but mm-hmm. Kawhi is going to get the most money out of Toronto. And it also said he wants to go out to L.A. So, you yeah. know, that's why I feel there's no shot. But, yeah, he is the biggest fish. And, yeah, yeah. What, what's the sense of not reaching out and having a conversation? Right. Right? Yeah. I, I have no problem with that. So then who's number two on the list? If you have a top <sighs> five right now, who's number two? I mean, do you say it's KD? Well, if that's shooter, we're missing right? a pure shooter, You say it's right? KD. Yeah. You know, you, you have a conversation. I mean, I don't know. And, and listen. We're playing basically fancy basketball here. Sure. Okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pull the wool over anybody's eyes. I'm not a capologist. I have no idea how the NBA pay structure works. I really don't. I know tidbits of it, but not yeah. the whole enchilada. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So all I know is there's players out there, and there's players on our team, mm-hmm. and I know we have to somehow find a way to build an NBA championship caliber team surrounded by Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Yeah. So. The only issue you have, it comes back to what we were saying. This all hinders Joel Embiid. This all centers around Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. He is your controllable franchise asset. Yeah. He is your best player. So uh, while other teams are going to reach for a best player, like Toronto, mm-hmm. their best player at that time was DeMar DeRozan. Mm-hmm. They went out to get the better player, which was Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. We already have our better player. Yes. Right? See, that's what people have to understand. We already have that guy. Yeah. You know, and, and now we have to find the, the fine-tuning of building around him. Yeah. Uh, so, listen, it's going to be a very long off season. Yeah. 
Uh, and it's going to be interesting offseason because it's going to be the first one that's being led by Elton Brand. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get to see what kind of mojo he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you know he has a lot of relationships around the league, who he can pull, who he can bring in, yeah. uh, things of that nature. But lo and behold, you know the one thing I thought was was pretty interesting was you know Mike Scott, uh, who was actually a part of the Boston, has already asked to come back. Like he's already opened the hand, extended the olive branch, said, "Hey." I want to come back. What can mm. we do to get this done? Cool. Right? Yeah. Uh, James Innes is another guy who, you know, you also have to say to yourself, we can only spend so much money, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually your draft picks are going to have to play. Yeah. Right? And that's the problem. Zaire Smith is going to have to contribute mm-hmm. if we're going to be successful. It's just the way it is. Whoever we draft this year is going to have to contribute. We can't just go out and, and, and pluck all these free agents. Right. A guy like Shake Milton mm-hmm. is going to have to contribute. Yeah. If we're going to be able to win, just like a Golden State team when they're bringing guys off the bench, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're bringing young boys off the bench. So, uh, listen, I still think Jimmy resigns. I think, you know, Jimmy Butler is going to be here. I think we all go for him the most money. I think he likes it here. I think he knows this is his best shot to win an NBA title, especially in the East, because I think Toronto, Kawhi is gone. Uh, so it's basically going to be the Sixers. Against the Bucks, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, because it looks like the Celtics are breaking up too. Right. Yeah, because Kyrie will be in New York, and you know we'll go through that whole thing. But Jimmy here, Ben here, Joel here, uh, Tobias is is going to be the interesting point. And I, if, if I could take, I said this before. If you tell me Tobias is going to get paid thirty five million dollars a year, then I'd rather let Tobias go. And take fourteen and a half million or, or seventeen and a half million, and pay a, a really good bench player and another seventeen and a half million and play a really good player than have a Tobias Harris because I think it would help us more to be able to keep that rotation and it would be less balls to go around and help everybody out. That's just my opinion. I think Harris is expendable. Yes, I agree. Now the only thing I the only thing is you're going to get people that say they gave up too much for him and because they gave up a lot for him they're going to say well you have to make it a priority to sign this guy to show that you didn't give up that critical miami pick for a guy who you just have for a rental for half a year i'll go with the financial term that's, that, a, that's a sunk cost that's what i said sunk cost i agree what's done is done you can't go if you got shafted on a deal you got shafted on a deal you don't want to uh you know multiply the situation by signing a guy that you now don't believe is going to live up to expectations or if you have a better option out there you don't just do it just to save face everybody makes bad decisions yes you're yeah. absolutely right i agree 100 percent. if you made a bad decision or, or it didn't work out your way maybe it wasn't a bad decision it just didn't work the way you wanted it to right move on from it. i'd rather make something that decision. better if there's something better that we feel is out there i'd rather try it then yeah why not explore your options yeah right I, why not explore your options look at uh you know this brings us uh, look golden state you know, uh, talk about, you know, move on for the Sixers a little bit. We talk a little NBA. and We talk about, you know, we talked about Denver and Portland. And we talked, we didn't talk about the James Harden effect, right? All year we heard about James Harden being the MVP. All year we heard about James Harden, James Harden, unstoppable. We talked about it on the show, right? So Kevin Durant gets hurt in that series. And everybody says, you know what? Golden State's done. They're done. No way. Did they forget they had a guy, a former MVP named Steph Curry? Okay, and Steph Curry, Steph Curry takes over that game in the second half and scores 33 freaking points in the second half. He was unstoppable. And what does Harden do to answer? One shot, nine minutes. In the final nine minutes. That's unacceptable. Yeah. That's not an MVP. And this is the second year he's come up small yeah. in the playoffs. So should we go into our discussion? Yes. About one, two, three, and four. Yes, I like this. Go ahead, Dave. What? What's hard? Is, what, what do we talk? We, we like to bring some decent discussion, some something unique, something so, to think about. So go ahead, Dave. What do we think? Some things we talk about, like if you get to start your own team, type of fantasy analogy yep. out there. So you have Stephen Curry, James Harden, the Greek Freak, Giannis, and Kawhi Leonard. You can only pick one. If if Team Tony Cotillo would started <laughs> tomorrow, um, who would you go with? Who would be your guy? My guy would be nine times out of nine, a hundred times over, Mister Kawhi Leonard. Hmm. 
I I I think he right now uh, is the best pound for pound two way player in basketball, and he's a guy that is two years he had off basically, and in two years he not only got his body right, but he developed and trained so hard to develop a game that I haven't seen in years. A game that where I can go on TV and I can take my son and say, listen, guys, you need to watch this guy. This guy's a true, true, legit NBA superstar. He's a true magician on the court. And I haven't been able to say those words since a guy named Michael Jordan. Right. Okay? And I'm just saying that. He's not Michael Jordan. I'm just saying that's what I feel. So I go Kawhi. What about you? Yeah, I'm I'm with Kawhi myself. <sighs> Gotta uh, love the I'm, Kawhi wagon, baby. I'm on it. Yeah, I, I am too. And and there's good reason why. Kawhi's ability to play two ways is the difference maker for me. All the other three guys, not that Giannis isn't a stout defender, but and he may be in another two years, right? He's six years in the league or three years if we give him, you know, um, Giannis is an extremely hard worker, but if yes. we're starting a team tomorrow, I'm going with Kawhi Leonard. And and the, some of the stuff that you talked about, did you hear after he made that amazing shot? Yeah. He was he was interviewed, and the yep. woman, I, pardon me for forgetting her name, um, but she asked him, Kawhi, did you envision or, you know, whatever about that shot? He said, I work on that shot every day in practice. Yep. I work on that same exact shot. So – there's a guy that's confident in his ability, yep. and he wants the ball at the end of the game, and he came through. And he can do it on both ends of the court. And what's awesome about that explanation, when you match that interview, because I'm glad you said that, I want to bring that up. Because not only did he say, we, he said, we as a team work on that drill every practice, right, mm-hmm. with him shooting the ball. Mm-hmm. But what was the foresight for him to mention, that I knew who we were playing, and I knew if Joel M B would have came out on me, I had to put an extra arc mm. on that shot because we know we've watched Kawhi shoot. He doesn't have a lot of arc on his shot. Yeah. He shoots bullets, right? Yeah. Just, just, just the mentality to know. Mm-hmm. And Joe was right there, dude. Oh, yeah. His, I mean, fingertips away. Yeah. So, just an amazing talent. What about you, John? Who's I'm going, Giannis? Are you going, Giannis? Yeah. Okay. I can't agree with both I, of you, knuckleheads. What? It's just unheard of. No way. No, I I agree with you. He's a he's a good pick, but I'm going with Giannis. I just feel that he can take over the game in so many ways. Uh, nothing against Kawhi Leonard. He's had a hell of a series. I just if if I'm starting a team from scratch, that's where I'm going. Not wrong with that. Listen, there, there, there's not wrong with that pick, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I I still think it, most people, and we'll throw this out there. It'll be on Twitter. Uh, I think most people will probably say one of the two, Giannis or Kawhi. Uh, I think there may be some Steph players out there. I mean, but, true, I mean, truthfully, if you want to ask me who the more clutch performer is, uh, well, that's, that's a different. That's, it's a different conversation. That, I'll go with Kawhi or Curry. Right. I was going to you know say I mean? that, then Curry but, gets put. You know, in the if I'm just starting out and I have nothing in the cupboard, I'm sorry, I can't go Curry. He's done a. I'm not saying he's not a great player, but he's done a lot with a hell of a cast around him. He has. Right. That is a good point. That's a very good point. And you know, Kawhi has done it basically by himself. I mean, mm-hmm. who does he have out there in Toronto this right. year? Who did he have in San Antonio? That's not taking it away from any of the guys that you know. But and he to me, he, this is a guy who's a different player than he was under Pop. This is a guy who's out to serve. He's basically out with the fuel saying, all right, Pop, remember you said all the issues I had, and I'm going to show you that I can lead a team. And that's what he's doing right now. You know, Matt, he wants to go to the Clippers. He really does. I can just imagine him on that team. But, uh, yeah, listen, I go Kawhi all day. But uh, good conversation. Uh, Everybody will get involved. Uh, Talking about greats of all time. You know, we always throw a little couple things in the middle. Uh, you know, of our shows. One thing we're going to talk about is bucket lists. And the reason why we're going to talk about John had a good point. Uh, you know, John was mentioning about the Preakness and, you know, his that's on his bucket list because he'd always want to go to the Preakness to the horse racing. And, and that's this weekend. And we all know what happened to Kentucky Derby. We all know what happened. Actually, the jockey from Maximum Security got suspended and he can't even race in the, for 15 days, which takes him out of the Preakness. Okay, so you're, you're already – think about all the money that was lost because you already know there's no shot at a triple crown. Right, that's that's out of the equation. So I'll definitely watch it because I just think you know b- between the Kentucky Derby to the Preakness to the Belmont, it, it's just an exciting two minutes in sports. I love watching it, but it brings up the bucket list question. Uh, 
So why, John, I have to ask you, that of all things on your bucket list, why the Preakness? I think I've always liked horse racing. I mean, right. even when I when I was in high school, I used to do – I there was me and about maybe four or five other guys did fantasy horse racing. Are you serious? Wow, you not? Dave. I, fantasy horse racing. We are racing. so out of this talk right I think now. it was – yeah. I fantasy think it horse racing. It would have been about 94, 95. I, dude, I printed – I made up wow. sheets. And I forget how we did the whole thing, but we he had – He never ceases to amaze me. He we had does. fantasy horse racing yeah. back then. So I've I've always been a fan of the horse racing. I just so, want to know how you, how, you, how you would rank your horses. That guy's got nice hooves. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, well. I'm just, I'm just, gotta, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, how, how do you rank them? Well – Look at the size look, of his – I nah, mean – Well, here, put it this way. <laughs> Look, the I we I used to do it at the um, the meadows, not the meadowlands, the meadows, and it, it was harness racing. But it was like it's about 45, 40 minutes from where I grew up. Okay, so it was eight bucks for a box seat, four seats with like a little TV monitor, and then you got so the big. So you grew win. up with horse racing, so this makes I didn't sense. grow up with it. I went more there than, more than Tony and I. Yeah, I yeah I started doing it when I I don't want to say gambling, but it was yeah Ooh. the high school playing cards with your boys. Okay. That's gambling. I would, so yeah. gambling. Yeah, I would hit up I would hit up the uh, I would hit up the racetrack. You're sitting there with the big with the big glass window in front of you with the track, and yeah, I would I would go there. There was 13 races. I would bet maybe four bucks a race. A lot of exact boxes, but you know you got the odds, and I knew the jockeys that always raced well there. But yeah. I don't know. The the Preakness was always just a big party at a horse track. And it, being in Baltimore, it wasn't that far of a drive. That is it true. Was, I, I never realized how close yeah, it was. Yeah, so it, I don't know. That was just something. Pimlico. Pimlico. I, yeah, I, something I always wanted to do. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to go to Paris and see all these things. I don't want to go to Hawaii. Very I don't want to go. Simple man. Yeah, simple take, man. Yeah, take me to Baltimore for a horse race. <laughs> take me to Baltimore for a horse. What about you, Dave? If you had on your bucket list, and and John, you can name another one if you want, but something it, it can be present. It could be past. If if you could relive another moment, it, you know, this will be a little, fi- you know, John Fancy Horse Race. We're going to do Fancy Bucket List, okay? Fancy Bucket List. So if you could go back and relive a moment in sports and be there live, could it? what would it be? Or would it be something else? Would it be something that you hope to be able to witness or something that you want to go do right now? So uh, that's a great question. I mean, it's uh, a very open ended. So I seen the Phillies win the World Series in '08. You did? Yeah, I was there. Nice with my mother and my two oldest brothers. Okay. Um, and uh, I'll never forget that. So sporting event, I uh, I'm uh, if we could replay it, I would want to be where the Eagles were when they won the Super Bowl. That's a good so one. So that would be cold Minnesota. Um, yeah. But. Off the air, I know I liked what John had said, and we'll let him talk about that with his fantasy because I think that's pretty interesting. I, I just said Woodstock. That was just Woodstock. a huge. The just, first one, correct? Yes. The first one. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Woodstock. Yeah. Which I find that very interesting with John, knowing how <laughs> he it, it loves being clean. You mean with my OCD tendencies and having to plan everything out? And, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And Woodstock being one of the dirtiest, wow. like just whatever. You know, there's no there's no itinerary whatsoever. Right. <laughs> right. And wow. I think that's what intrigues me is just the fact that it would be like the total opposite of how I live my entire life yeah. just to go and do it. You that's know? good, though, man. That's good. I, and. Dave, you're you're right on. I mean, if I, I obviously everybody, if you're not a Philadelphia fan, if you don't say you you, you know you want to relive the World Series in 2008, you want to win the Super Bowl with the Eagles, right? But I'm going to go veer off two different things here because I think they're obvious. Number one, in my sports bucket list, if I could relive, this is what I would want. I want to go to a Masters where I can watch Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, and Arnold Palmer all play in the same in, in the same threesome on the same course. That's what I want to see. And I also want to go back in the 90s and go to the United Center and relive Michael Jordan and playing in game six against the, ball, the Portland Trailblazers where he hit six three-pointers in a row and that place is just electric just to feel what that felt because i was in the house in 2001 i was in there in 2000 when the sixers made the playoff run i was there against orlando in the first year when they played that place the first union center was electric so i would love to feel what those chicago 
fans felt in that United Center mm. day in and day out. I watched his air in display. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, th- those two things for me would be would, would be perfect. So, uh, you know, I had to be a little different. Uh, locally, yeah. obviously, uh, but I don't know about Woodstock. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'd but, like the Woodstock, Don. What a problem is right if, next we, if we went to Woodstock, I don't even know how much I remember. That's the problem. Yeah, well, we there's old-time photos and video. Those are old-time photos of video? Yeah. Don't they do, like, mud slides at Woodstock? Oh, they do a lot of slides. <laughs> that was basically everything. <laughs> it was a big mud slide. <laughs> so, I'm a big Minnesota's guy. And, you know, uh, the reason why I bring it up is because I think all three of us are, are, are old-school hip-hop guys. And, you know, we've talked about some music on the air. And we're going we're gonna to get back to a little talk. We're going to talk some Phillies and Eagles before we go. But Wu-Tang Clan, man, came out. Documentary series started. Last week on Showtime, it's a four part. Uh, it's 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 basically you know it's similar to the three part the Defiant series, the Defiant ones that was yeah. there. Jimmy Iovine and Eminem great, and great series, Dr. great series. Uh, I'm a big Wu guy, and I think you know Wu Tang Clan to me was the start of my hip hop journey. And the reason why I say that is because I remember, uh, and, and I don't know if he listens, but my boy Jason Hull. This goes out to you, bro. Former Falcon, North Catholic boy, uh, 1996 graduation date. But uh, I remember sitting in the launcher with Jay, and it was sophomore year. And I remember him going, yo, I got this new track. You got to listen to it. And we had the little boom box on the table. He threw the tape in, and all you heard was, from the slums of Shaolin, Wu-Tang. And I was like, what is this? And it was like, M-E-T-H-O-D. And I was like, yo. And it just played. And we put it on repeat and repeat and repeat. And I was like, this is unbelievable. And Enter the 36 Chambers, obviously, was symbolic, okay? And I love Wu-Tang. And, 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 and the one thing about Wu-Tang that I think that I want to bring up is I think they were the first group. Number one, they had so many, so many pl- people in that group. Uh, Raekwon, You God, Jizza, Inspector Deck, Ghostface Killer, uh, you know, Rizza, which was Bobby Digital. I mean, all these guys, uh, ODB, rest in peace, Russell Jones, right? All these guys that were able to break off and do solo albums, which was unheard of back then. You know, you had a group that stayed a group, right? But these guys, you know, they all went in their solo acts and, and they all had success, uh, which was boy, boy. You know, Wu Tang to me, uh, sim- is symbolic of my hip hop journey. So, Dave, are you a Wu Tang guy? I like Wu Tang, but I don't re- honestly know much about them. I mean, I um, I wow. know Method Man, and, and everybody and, knows Meth, and that song. Yeah, oh, it resonates so much, yeah, man. Yeah, it does. How about you, John? You you a Wu guy? Yeah, uh, you're yeah. a Wu guy. What's your favorite Wu track? Yeah. Oh, dude, I like Triumph. Oh, from Triumph the is great one. from the new, the double CD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Triumph was great. I forget the name of the one that I like from uh, Enter Thirty Six Chambers. Oh well, there, they, there was a there was protect a big your neck. One. No, it wasn't one of the it wasn't one of the mainstream ones. Cream. That no, wasn't one of the that's races. good though. Cream's yeah, good. Good that song. Was good. I was a big ODB fan. Oh, you were. O- I, also I got. I actually. I have, I, I have some ODB. Wu Tang is here forever. I know. I got some tapes. <laughs> I. I, don't, I might even oh, have a CD yeah. or something. But I doubt. That I was, was back I was when you used ODB. to high speed dub. Remember actually, I got. I got. I got some Wu Tang and ODB on my phone yeah. right now. Yeah. Me and I was Mariah. Big, by the way, when you told me they were having that, I I did DVR it. I didn't watch it yet, but I did. I got it. I got the series recording. The, I'll tell you what, the, what the best was, and I don't know if, how much of a Chappelle Show fan you are. Not much. Dude, when the Wu-Tang Clan was on there for their skits, dude, loved it. Really? Loved it, yeah. I didn't even know they were on there. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, they were on Yeah, a couple skits. Or, or, that, that was good. Would you guys, I, this is a stretch here, but they got to be one of the best of all time. I don't know where they, uh, group-wise, for, for hip-hop groups. You know, I, I mean, they got to be top five, top three. I know. Dave, I mentioned to Dave. He was like, "Wait, hold on. What about Public Enemy? You know, he brings." And I listen. Well, to, I mean, well, Public Enemy is right? one group, and NWA, and, and oh, yeah. being Rockem, right? NWA. Uh, I get it. Uh, Run DMC. 
And, 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 those got to top the woo. Right. Those got to top Paul the quest. Right. Got, I, that also got to right. top the woo. Uh, how about an underrated group that nobody ta- ever brings up enough is Gangstar. Gangstar. Come on, man. You know, uh, Gangstar, it, it may appeal, man. Come on. Nobody ever talks about Gangstar. Naughty by nature doesn't get enough love to me. Uh, yeah. I don't think they're better than woo. Right. But exactly. I'm just saying, they don't get enough love to me. Uh, so... My my biggest woo was the solo albums. I I honestly feel Liquid Swords with with, with Jizza was and Ray Kwan incarcerated Scarfaces. That album is ridiculous. I wasn't a Ray Kwan guy. Oh, I loved Ray Kwan. Ray Kwan is chef. You got and the man. I mean, see Capadonna. I mean, oh man, who was my shit, man? Who was my shit? I, I can always go back and and if I'm having a bad day, I throw in a little shadow box, a little fourth chamber, little ice cream. Remember the ice cream man is coming. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yep. these songs, man. I'll tell you what, this is great. That's why I love music. I love I love hip hop music. But Dave, I don't know, Public Enemy. Love Chuck D and Flavor Flav, but I, I you know, I, I don't know. I, I think Woo was better. Yeah, well, yeah. And listen, everybody's I'm gonna take entitled Woo. to their No, opinion. you're right. You're right. There's nothing I wrong with that. I think Woo was better, but Public Enemy was just ah. more historic. Well, you know what I mean? And they, they were. It, it was more. They were storytellers. And, and Chuck was D more, was a storyteller. Right, and it was more, I mean, you're looking at a little bit of a different time. Public Enemy was doing it a little, uh, little longer than. You know Wu Tang. I, I shouldn't say longer in terms of length, because, but I'm saying true. they 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 were earlier. And then so, I, I, so you could go, you could do the same thing we just did with Steph Curry and Harden. If you had to pick uh, whether you want to hear a one Wu Tang song or one Public Enemy song, oh, one or the other, which one are you going to pick? That's tough. Uh, I'm going Wu. I'm I, look. I like Public Enemy, but so do I. I think I'm going Wu too. So I think it's generational too. I'm I'm a little bit older than you guys, so and. and and Public Enemy came out in 88, Eight, yep. maybe, yep. 86, maybe. Yeah, so, man. They, well, Wu-Tang is more... Did, I know, let I me ask something, though. Carry. Did they have a lot of competition, though? Did Public Enemy have a lot of competition back then? Absolutely. That's, uh, you and, think and, so? Yeah, well, that's NWA is, is a little bit right around that. Nah, time. I think NWA was, was was like four years after Public Enemy. So that's what I'm saying. When, Public, when PE came out... 92. Yeah, PE I mean, came out like 88. What, first album was Fear of a Black Planet. I yeah. think, yeah. So if you took a Fear of the Black Planet, I think that was like 88, maybe, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really think they had as much competition yeah. as the 90s. Right. But NWA, I mean, you talk about NWA, just the way they, 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 they you know, with generational talents, yeah. Ice Cube, Easy yeah. Dr. Dre. And NWA uh, only made up how many albums? One? Really? Two. Two at the most, right. So. Two. I'm not, I'm not going to say what the first title was, mm, but yeah. the second album was Appetite for Destruction. Mm-hmm. So they, they did have two formidable albums, right? Uh, you know, obviously after Police was one of the yeah. cover tracks, but. Oh, and you uh, got to look at all those guys that went on to solo. Well, that's what I was saying, yeah. like Easy e and, and Ice Cube. What, Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang's been around, and they have a ton of music out Tons. There. People don't even realize how Tons. much stuff they've done. Um, and they're, they're more of like, their mystique is more like, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say like folk folk stories, but they're, they're, they're pretty. Yeah. They're out there with some people. Don't know what Wu Tang's all about. Nah, you you got to be hard. Listen, Wu Tang wasn't hip hop. It was gangster rap. It was hardcore yeah. rap. It wasn't it, just like NWA. That's not hip hop, yeah. right? And I I think that's what people fail to realize. There's a difference between gangster rap and rap and hip hop. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference. You know, hip hop. You know, hip hop's like DJ Khaled. Right. <laughs> that, that's hip hop. Ti. Ti is hip hop. Right. Ti. LL Cool J. Yeah. Is hip hop. Great. great. Yeah, right. Old school hip hop. Ladies yeah. love Cool J. Yeah. Right. And, and again, another guy doesn't get enough credit. Ladies love Cool J. Mm-hmm. Walking like a panther. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, 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 listen. I mean, round the way, girl. Oh man. I like the girl with extensions in the hair, bamboo mm-hmm. earrings, at least two pairs. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to do some karaoke on a heat ratio. But, uh, but nah, man, Wu-Tang, if you catch it, watch documentary. I'll be watching it. Uh, I, you know, I think it's going to be – it's going to bring back a lot of memories for a lot of people. Uh, some Woodstock memories probably as well with uh, some of the clouds you'd be seeing on that show. But um, – <laughs> but – 
let's talk a little Phillies. Now, I don't want to bring the Phillies up because now that the Sixers have lost and now the Sixers are, are, are not formidable anymore because we're not worried about catching their games, I think the spotlight now is going to be on Bryce Harper. I think Bryce Harper and the Phillies have, even though the Phillies are in first place, even though they had the third best pitching in baseball that nobody expected. Uh, I know I didn't. I know you guys didn't. I, I, I didn't know Zach Eflin and, you know, w- w- was going to pitch like he did. He actually, Zach Eflin's doing what everybody said Nick Pavetta was going to do. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, Cole Irvin comes up. He pitches a great game. We'll see what he does for the next two. But this is a guy that can stay in a rotation. This is a guy that can push Vinny Velasquez to the pen somewhere we kept saying he belongs to be. You know, that's where he belongs. So, uh, the biggest thing, though, is everybody's talking about Bryce, and they're talking about Bryce. Is it, you know, is it realistic to mash a guy for a, a month and a half and say, "Yo, you know, we got 13 years of this. You're batting 226," or 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 is it the people that are doing that don't really understand that the, the kind of player Bryce Harper is? Because I look at it this way. This is my this is this will be my explanation. I get to you guys. I didn't expect Bryce Harper to come in here and bat two eighty. I knew that's not Bryce Harper's game. I didn't expect that. What I expected from Bryce Harper is I expected a streaky hitter. I expected a guy that was going to give it his all play every day. He was going to make everybody around him a better baseball player. And that means protection in the lineup. He was going to bring a, a rejuvenation, an excitement to a fan base that's so Desperately needed it since 2008, okay? That's what we needed. And he's done every single thing that I completely just explained. And I think for that fact, that's who he is. This is the Bryce Harper you're going to get. He's going to end the year. He's going to bat 255. He's going to hit 35 home runs. And he's going to knock in 110. That's going to be his numbers. And you're gonna, and everybody's gonna forget about. Oh well, he's just struck out 17 times in a month or whatever it is. People are gonna forget about that. So is it right to criticize this guy, or do you got to just say, listen, this is who he is, or 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 those people that are being critical of him are people who don't really understand who he actually is. That's what his game is. Right. Exactly. I mean, I I was I was trying to get up <laughs> some stats or whatever. I, I mean, I you're you're pretty much spot on. I mean, his numbers are gonna be there at the end of, of the course. year. Of course. Um, Absolutely. So I don't, you know, and he has, he does this cold spells. I had from the beginning 34 homers, 101 ribbies, 102 runs. Right. 11 stolen bases. I haven't batting 273. Okay. That might even be a little higher. That's like, probably a little high. I don't high. think he's going to get nah, to I don't 273. Think so. But even if you look what he's done, you know, over the past, he has never put together a complete MVP caliber season. Right. I mean, he's done, he's done a lot of things good. He can do every single one of them. But he has never put that batting average with the dingers, with the, you know, and the runs and the ribbies. He's never put it all together in one season. No, he hasn't. So, I mean, to to expect him to all of a sudden come out and hit, yeah, 280, 300, like, that's not the guy he is. I mean, last year he was at 249. Then he hit 319 two years before that. Then 243. Then 330. Then 273. The dude's all over the place. You know what I mean? <laughs> 34 homers, 27, 24, 38. Like, I'm just saying, he needs to string it all together, but he hits these cold spells. I know. There's no question. Then he'll come out. He'll probably uh, – I don't know which month historically is his best month, but he might come out in June and knock 12 homers all in one month. Then he's right back up where he should be. But this is the player you were getting. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I would love to pick out one news reporter that's negative right now with him and, and go with um, – him when he hits the hot spell and and see you know what I mean like put him on spot say okay you're the same guy that's now talking positive about him two months ago you were on top of him like he was the worst acquisition that the Phillies could ever made and it's not knowing the game I think and not knowing the player because obviously to repeat what Tony you said and John what you said that's the type of player he is he's he's almost all or nothing um absolutely and, uh, you know, th- but this is the same town that got on Ryan Howard, too, and done- didn't realize that Ryan Howard for four years was putting <laughs> up numbers that, Historic. that were Historic. named with Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth and players like that. And we witnessed that. Right, right. So, again, 
the fan base, I always question around here. I, as, as much knowledge as a lot of people have, I also think that sometimes they just are, you know, they're, they're, they're very black and white. Either you suck or you're the greatest. It's not. It's not <laughs> right, right. It's not. It's not. It's never okay. You're just okay. You're pretty. Yeah. You're okay. Yeah. Or he, you, you are what you are. That's what you are. You know, that's not a gray area with these guys. That's why I love being here and I love, I do love the fan base. Um, but sometimes you want to grab them and 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 smash their head into the table a couple times. Wow, uh, is that mean? I think so. That was mean. I'm sorry. Wow. But anyway, that's my take on Bryce. I'm 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 for Bryce Harper being here. Um, obviously, I wanted him, but he is streaky hitter. Um, I just hope that sometimes I feel like there's like a little bit of selfishness there. Um, and he did lay down one bunt this yes, year. Yes, he right? did. I want to see him that do you, it again. Wait a minute. You were bitching about that bunt. No, I was very happy. You no, got you are guy. You got the wrong guy. No, are you sure I about that? Absolutely. I want him. Maybe that was Brace. That was not me. I think I was Brace. I'm going to tell you right now he should lay down more bunts because you'll be safe. And what goes up when you're safe on base? Your batting average. Right. And, and if you lay a couple down, that might force defenses not to play. He's smashing the baseball. He's smashing it right at the third, second baseman. That's playing. You're 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 a coach, and and you're a batting coach. Is he overswinging, or is it just me? That's his swing. That is that okay. That's, so to answer your question, yes, yes, he overswings every at bat, every at bat. That, but that's, that's nothing new. That is nothing new. Okay. That is not. You look at the difference between his swing and let's go with another power hitter on the team, Reese Hoskins' swing. They they Reese actually has more of a swing of somebody that could could potentially hit for average as well. Okay. Um, but all right, so let's go with Segura's swing and let's go Real Muto swing. Those two guys have swings more. Real uh, Muto smooth. M- more inclined to hit for average. Right. Right. It's not a big, long, powerful swing. It's it's about, short, uh, short, and to the ball. How about Oduble? Oduble is an idiot. <laughs> And his swing is nothing that you would ever teach any baseball player ever that existed. El you, Torito. You never. If you want to teach a kid, if you want to teach a kid how not to hit a baseball, you sh- you show him Oduble and watch him swing the bat. Man, I'll tell you what, Cesar Hernandez is playing well right now. It's scary. Ever since Kingery went on the IL, it's scary. This it, is why people fall. This is why coaches fall in love with Caesar. Yeah, Cesar. 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 Yeah. He swings a long bat, too. All right, before we get out of here, we got a couple minutes left. I'll just stick to the Phillies because we're just, you know, we got a good conversation going. Gabe Kapler, right now, we're about 23 and 16, I think we are. Okay, we're first place, about 40 games in. What's your thoughts, Gabe Kapler? That's easy for me, man. I don't care what his record is. If you threw away his computer, he couldn't coach his way out of a wet paper bag. Wow. So you think it's all digital for Cap, huh? One hundred percent. How about you, John? You a Cap guy? What do you think? You think he's done? Is it is it the team winning because of basically? No. Could me, you or Dave just throw that lineup out there yeah. and win? Yeah, there's wow. not, there's no there's nothing no brain surgery involved. The batting lineup's basically locked. I mean, for the most part, you can't start toying with it. As soon as one of the pitchers starts screwing around, they, he sends them to the minors. You know what I mean? He still got options left. You send them down. Let them work on their stuff. They did it with Pavetta. They did it What it was Velasquez down yet. They, they're talking about sending him down. Well, it's gonna, you know he, I mean? he's on the IL, so it'll, uh, depending on what his injury you know, but he, he did have to, you know, play a little circus in the, you know, a carousel, I should say, in the bullpen because their big guy, David Robertson, obviously hasn't been the guy they hoped and thought he would be, uh, which brings up the Craig Kimbrell question again, you know. Uh, you know, here's a team that's in first place that really doesn't have a dedicated closer. Uh, so, you know, is it something if, if, if Robertson is injured mm. and he can't pitch, uh, you know, are, are we looking at – you know, we only got a couple minutes here, but are we looking at a thing where we we meet Kimbrel's price, or we go a la Atlanta Braves and say, you know what, Vinny, you're going to be our John Smoltz, and we throw him in a closer role and see what he does. You better do it soon. I know. If you're not going to get me Kimbrel on the team, you better get Velasquez doing it soon, and he's got to buy in 100. percent You're absolutely right, and I think his stuff is that good. It can be for one inning. I yeah. think he could do it. This guy struck out 16 in one game. Exactly. I mean, Brett. look, they put Brett 
They put Brett Myers as a closer, right? He didn't do bad. But I always bring back to Smoltz. I just think Smoltz had that stuff, man. And I, and I think Velasquez can do the same thing. It could be, oh, man, I think it could be a hell of a closer. And if you got Sir Anthony to, to, to calm down and you throw him in, like, the eighth role, and you have, ah, uh, that could be pretty deadly, man. I could. Velasquez and Smoltz mentally, they're – they're, they're two different. Well, l- listen, yeah, you're absolutely right there. I'm not. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about arm, yeah. arm velocity yeah. and strength alone. Yes. Not that, yeah. <laughs> Vinny's a metal midget compared yeah. to Mister Smoltz. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Let's let's not forget true. that. Very true. Uh, let's go away. Metal midget. I like that word. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good way to close this out. And listen, another great show. Uh, you know, when we come back next week, obviously we'll probably have more Sixer news. Uh, and we're going to start gearing off for some birds. Okay, mini camps quickly approaching. If draft picks are on the field, uh, we'll see what Carson Wentz could do. Uh, one of the deepest rosters in sports. We'll get into that next week and talk about how they are ready and primed to make another Super Bowl run. Uh, for your host, Tony Cotillo, at is 23 um, joined by always signing off co-host John Coker at PGHSon36 and at Coach Dixon365 for Coach Dave. Get us on the ones and twos on Twitter, at The Heat Ratio, Instagram, at The Heat Ratio, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, phillyinfluencer.com anywhere you get your podcast and iTunes as well please give us a rating and a review we're up to about 30 right now we'd like to get about 30 more so help us out let us know what you feel and